There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for uh, yet another uh, tremendous uh, week, uh, another uh, amazing guest. We've got Arthur Samuel Joseph joining us today. We're going to be talking about mastering your voice leadership presence. Um, before I introduce you to Arthur, um, I do hope all is well wherever you are in the world. Uh, I do believe uh, through this show that we need to elevate the way that we that we think and that we operate to contribute to a better world, which uh, feels you know, more challenged, more divided than it ever has in my lifetime, um, perhaps in yours, um, but perhaps we can be a catalyst to, to help you know, one step at a time, uh, one conversation at a time uh, to improve uh, things and make, make a difference. Um, on last week's show, we had Howard Bihar. Um, Howard uh, was the past president of Starbucks uh, he uh, took the business from, I think, 28 stores to 15,000 um, co coffee outlets, um, went from 200 or 300 people to 200,000 people. Um, so he was fascinating. And we talked last week about servant leadership uh, and we talked about some of his principles. I particularly liked his, his six P's. I like the way that he carried around his purpose and his mission and also his six P's on a uh, on a laminated card. So his six P's were purpose, passion, persistence, patience, performance, and people. Uh, those were uh, the uh, key principles that he wanted to remind himself of day in, day out, why he was here, what his mission was, and how he you know, did things that were really important uh, to him on a daily basis. I'll never forget having um, a... Uh, a president a vice president i think of um of a big a big um hotel chain um and uh, they were talking about their um purpose to um fulfill the unanticipated expectations of their customers each day and they always said you know we don't need um no one needs telling but we all need reminding so today um, i'm going to introduce you to um arthur and I think this is going to be a remarkable conversation. Um, Arthur Samuel Joseph is the founder and chairman of the Vocal Awareness Institute, and he's widely recognized as one of the world's foremost experts uh, when it comes to communication strategy and the human voice. He's devoted his life to the transformative power of the voice, and he has a very pioneering program called Vocal Awareness where he empowers individuals to achieve communication mastery using a unique blend of precise techniques and vocal exercises and storytelling. Uh, we're going to talk today about, um, about leadership presence. We're going to talk about um, some strategies around mastering your voice. Um, and uh, I got to be honest, I was absolutely taken aback when I read Arthur's client list and it includes uh, some of the most amazing Hollywood movie actors, um, top uh, business uh, business people, people in the um, industry, arts industry, and etc. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on. But clearly, we are talking to somebody who really does 
uh, know his subject and is a true master of it. So a big welcome to Arthur Samuel Joseph. Good morning or good afternoon, Chris. I'm out <laughs> here in sunny California where it is just about 8 a.m. in the morning. and It's probably about 4, a, 4 p.m. for you in the U.K., it is indeed. It's just getting dark here and cold. So I would love some of that Californian sunshine if you could just send us a bit. <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to meet you. Nice to be with you today. It's nice to be with you as well. And I'd just like to really start our conversation um, talking about your your beginnings because you you had a really humble start. And I wondered if you could maybe share a little bit with us about your early life and perhaps how you discovered uh, what you describe as your perfect pitch. We all have our origin stories, and many of them are quite grisly, and mine is no exception. It was just my mother and me. I never had a father, and we were exceedingly poor. My mother is one of my two heroes in life, my other being my bride of 54 years, and and we're, I'm four years old. I don't know where she got the idea, where she found the money even for the streetcar to take me up to an accordion studio. And I was totally reluctant because I clearly remember her hand on my right wrist dragging me over the threshold of this accordion studio and setting me in a chair. And, and Joe, Jack Farrigan, the accordion teacher, put this three-quarter size accordion in my lap and I was morphed. Fortunately, not into a cockroach like Gregor Samsa, but I clearly remember I knew music was going to be my life when I was four. In the sixth grade, I couldn't sing America the Beautiful on pitch, so the teacher didn't let me in her choir. In the seventh grade, Mrs. Grill let me into her high tones. Didn't matter if I could sing America the Beautiful on pitch or not. So at 12, I knew that singing was my life. One of God's other gifts to me was at 15, my first voice teacher to whom my first book, The Sound of the Soul, was dedicated many, many years ago. I'm 15 years old. In the middle of my lessons, I'm not exaggerating this, Chris, I would manically clap my hands on my ears like that and say, stop, I don't want to do it like that. I hear it this way. Right. And she allowed this bizarre behavior from this 15-year-old kid. She was in her 70s at the time. Because she observed something about me I didn't yet know. That I hear vocal sound differently than anyone I've ever known on the planet. I teach globally. And when I hear a voice, I hear who you are. It's a perfect imprint, instantaneous. And so her lack of dogma, as voice teachers, we're all very dogmatic. And we're all omniscient in our own minds. Because we're teaching this mystical art form. You can't put your finger on B-flat like you can on the keyboard, for example. And so we're teaching this magical art that's totally internalized. And so students tend to give us more credibility than we often deserve. But regardless, Mrs. Kinsel allowed this bizarre behavior. And so at 18, I began teaching with my my 78th birthday this coming January it begins my 60th year of teaching and my mission throughout my entire life has been to change the world through voice 
My goal is to help all those I work with to achieve their own enlightenment and enjoy their own empowerment. Because I have a master's in voice. I'm a classical singer before I do all of these other things. And But when you give me your voice, you give me who you are. It's sacrosanct. And, you know, you've seen my client list with all the high-profile names. I've got 29 students in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I've got five first ballot Hall of Famers in the NBA, soccer, baseball, super motocross, all of those things in, in the luminaries of stage and screen. But what isn't there is the years I've had the privilege to teach Holocaust survivors. Wow. And one of my dearest students, his name was Dean, he passed away a number of years ago, Was had Downs. And his sister in Canada used to bring him with her when I used to do a lot of seminars there. And I taught for 15, 16 years at a renowned retreat facility in Big Sur, California, called the Esalen Institute. And she would bring Dean. She brought Dean with her one time. And at the end of a week, I have somebody, everyone present in vocal awareness the value of the week. I call it closing ceremony. And we were at that time in something called the Big Yurt, a yurt being a Bedouin tent, but this was a fixed structure where in the middle of it, because it's a rotunda, your voice booms. Mm. Everybody in the class who was presenting stood at the back of the room, except Dean. He walked to the center, looked up to make sure he was in the center, and sang Kumbaya in perfect pitch. Wow. And we all learned a lot, and it wasn't a dry eye. So it's not just all the fancy names. It's everybody has a story. And I'll say one last thing before I come up for air at this point. Sociologists have told us for decades Maybe there's some sociologists listening, so I'm sorry if I, you know, find fault with the thesis, but we've been told that the greatest fear in society is public speaking. Now, that's totally bogus, but that's been the old saw we've been fed for 60, 70 years. Point of fact, the greatest fear are two fears, Chris. Fear of abandonment and ownership of our power. Yeah. When I look away, when I wonder what you're thinking... I'm in abandonment. I'm not there for myself. And we get all these mixed messages throughout life. Oh, don't act like that. What will people think? Well, you shouldn't say that. You sound arrogant. But if I say to you, Chris, vocal awareness is extraordinary work. It can help you change your life in moments. Now, that's stupid and arrogant. But if I say in response, vocal awareness is extraordinary work, Chris. It can help you change your life in moments. That's not arrogance. That's my truth. So, Claiming our power, being who we are, owning the life that we deserve to live is what vocal awareness is all about, and making a difference that only we can make. Yeah. I, I, I love listening to this because for me, it's very, very clear that for you, it's so purpose driven. Now, when, when Chris and I am interrupting, if I may, Chris? Yeah, you can, yeah. Because when we were meeting for the first time the other day, you said, in your sandbox, we get to play. And so I'm going to play. Go on, then. So if you would start that phrase again in just a moment, 
But first we're going to embody an extraordinary man of stature. And before you embody that man, I first want you to sit up straight, Chris, sit at attention. And notice how you hold your breath. That's what happens when we present ourselves. Yes. For whose approval? Please. Now we're going to take this golden thread in your left or right hand, Chris, from three inches below your navel, because that's where core begins. If you think of da Vinci's image of the Vitruvian man, this is core, the center of our bodies. And we slowly and gracefully embody ourselves as an individual of stature, feeling amazing. And what's the first thing you've already done before we complete it? You inhaled, Chris. I did. Watch, let's start again, because I will never talk you into anything. What's the first impulse when I ask you to embody a man of stature? To breathe in. You did, didn't you? But when you presented yourself, you held your breath. I did. So let's complete this now. It's very slow. It's graceful. And claiming yourself as a man of stature, relaxing your neck and shoulders, and pulling this right up to the middle of your crown chakra, in the middle of your head, and fully extend your arm as I am. Taller, taller, but pulling from the lats, no neck or shoulder tension, lift your chin two inches. Good. And feel extraordinary. Arm down and stay in that state. And now, tell me what you were about to say. In three, Eyes only on me, however, Chris. Wow. Eyes only on me, if you can, okay. please, Chris. Yeah. I'm looking at you. Okay. Continue. Okay. Continue with my... Whatever you wanted to say three hours ago before I so rudely interrupted. Okay. I think, I think what I was saying, or going to say, was that I just loved the way that you are so purpose-driven with your work and that it is not just about using your superpower to make money. It's about actually contributing through the power of voice to a better world. Now, as you said that, did you notice you were slightly monitoring yourself, not editing, but listening, correct? Yes. And because you were making eye contact, did you hear the sound of your voice change? I felt my voice go deeper. Exactly. Now, maybe we continue to play like this? Okay. Yeah. Is that, is that permission? No, absolutely fine. It's quite, it's quite uh, in this scenario, I'm looking to look you straight in the eyes. I, look, I have to look at the camera at the top of my yes. screen. Make I eye contact. Because you're very much to the left on my screen. It makes it, it's, a, it's a bit different. So... Ask your next question, but remain in stature or say whatever it is you wanted to say next. And I'm going to interrupt it again. I, I was, my next question is how, how you acquired the mastery and the presence to be taken very, very seriously by clients such as Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and, uh, Magic Johnson and and that that incredible voice that we remember from the United Kingdom, Sean Connery. Mm. Uh, you've you've worked with some amazing people. So, 
what enabled you to do that? Ask me the beginning of that again, but before we do so, place one hand in the middle of your chest, okay, right on your sternum, and your third and fourth finger of your other hand on your larynx, your thyroid cartilage, a little higher up, just a hair, right up on right there on the bump, okay, right in the middle, huh? And your index finger against the base of your tongue, right there where your index finger is, Chris, is the strongest muscle in your body per diameter, the base of your tongue. Okay. Yeah. We trap all trauma from the sternum up. And right now I'm tightening my tongue and jaw a little bit. You don't know that I am. I'm just telling you I am. And the moment I let go of my tongue and jaw, look what's available to me. So I want you to take a nice deep top of the afternoon breath. Great to be alive breath. And exhale. And you felt your larynx and tongue flex a little bit, Chris. Is that correct? Yep. And you felt your chest rise a little bit, Chris? I did. Okay, keep your hand where it is on your throat. Open your eyes for a moment and place the other hand under your armpit and wait for me. Stay in stature, loosen neck and shoulders. We're not going to take a deep breath this time, Chris. Rather, we're going to allow a slow, silent, conscious, loving breath and I will guide it it will take five to seven seconds don't take just allow lovingly stay with my hand and face you ready I'm ready loving and deeper 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 eyes on me deeper deeper and you notice the chest did not rise the ribcage expanded You'll notice this did not flex, it relaxed. Allow it again lovingly and say at the end of it, I am an extraordinary man. Three, deeper, deeper. It takes five to seven seconds. No, let's slow it down. You got a little off track. Five to seven seconds, slowly and lovingly. And I would love your audience to do this with us as well, of course. Slowly and begin. Deeper, deeper. Deeper. Excellent, Chris. And you'll notice your space is quieter as well. In the sentence, I am an extraordinary man. I am an extraordinary man. Rest and open your eyes. And take your hands down. And you notice how your stiller inside. And your space is quieter. And I've just introduced the reality that a breath is not only physical, Chris. It's also spiritual and emotional. When we're in trauma, the first thing the body does is hold its breath. Watch, may, I use, may I reference God? You can. Within yourself, not aloud, please take in the thought of saying thank you to God. In vocal awareness, we have seven rituals. Stature is preparation for all of them. And this is the first ritual. So within yourself, not allowed, embrace that thought. And once again, the body inhaled. And the room is quiet. I don't know one artist before they walk out. I don't know one athlete before they compete who doesn't have rituals. And all of those rituals have a spiritual component. 
But we don't use it in life. We may use it in yoga or something like that or in our prayer meditation time. But then we go about our lives and leave it home or leave it in the dojo. In vocal awareness, it's portable. We access source and self at all times through the quality of how we breathe, through the conscious awareness of what I've already begun to introduce you to. You feel how it's helping you change state. In your introduction of me today, you said, I empower individuals. But that's not quite true. Do you know who Tony Robbins is? I do. I trained Tony many years ago, and I still do master classes for him. I train his trainers and his leadership academy. And I said to Tony decades ago, I said, Tony, you cannot empower people. That's arrogant. But we can help them empower themselves. That's this work. And so you've heard me say my commitment is not to make you into someone you're not, but awaken you to what's possible. Yes. You're tapping into that just by breathing differently and sitting differently. Yes. The Hebrew word neshama means both soul and breath. Spiritu, spirit means to breathe. I don't ever want to motivate a single person, but I want to inspire everyone. Inspirare, to breathe into them. So as we continue today, and I won't interrupt anymore, I don't think, because I, you know, I just go on and on and on, and I become a drone. But if we can encourage you to, on your notes there, if you could write stature, source, Five-second CLB. That's the acronym for Conscious Loving Breath. And we never take it. We simply allow it. And the last note would be, hear myself. And just keep that in your peripheral vision, if you don't mind. And so, so, yes, please. I I was going to ask you about hear myself. Mm-hmm. You, you, we've been about stature and source. Can you tell me? Can you say that again? But doing what I've just asked you to do first and say the same phrase. Yes. Could you sh- tell me more about hear myself? Oh, did you listen differently? I think so. You actually heard yourself. You were monitoring what you were saying while you oh, were saying. I see. Okay. So that is actually listening, exactly. consciously listening to my communication. Brilliant. Brilliant. The okay. sixth of the seven rituals, Chris, is deeper listening, pay attention. Vocal awareness is 360. It's intrapersonal awareness tuned into this conversation between between source and self that I'm only one connected to it. And the outer voice, in my, all my books and articles, I will spell voice two different ways, sometimes with a capital V, sometimes with a lowercase. The capital V is my inner voice, my deeper self. The lowercase is my speaking voice. So we listen inter and interpersonally, simultaneously, in full conscious awareness. Can you hear me doing that? I can. And what you don't recognize is that I also see every single word I say. 
and you can tune into it now on the virtual computer screen in my mind's eye. So you can see what is underlined. You can see where I put a mark on a letter. You can see the full stop at the end. Because I do. This is a trademark piece of the work called Visceral Language, conveying the emotion of words. And so this is in part what I mean about hearing myself. Yes. So is your, your, the attention that you now have after many, many years of raising people's vocal awareness, that's enabled you now to be so self, so conscious of every word you say, a pause and language that you observe it. I, I've always observed it, but I can't tune it out. Years ago, I had the privilege of meeting the great dancer Fred Astaire. Wow. I was up at his home a couple, teaching his second wife. His first wife had passed away many years ago when they were quite young in their 40s. And his second wife was the first female jockey. And so I trained a gazillion broadcasters around the planet. I was training her because she was going to become a broadcaster in, in uh, horse racing. And to watch this man shuffle around in bedroom slippers in his 80s was so sensual. And the metaphor is that Fred Astaire wasn't only a dancer when he danced. His body was an instrument. Right. You watch a trained ballet dancer walk down the street and turn out. They don't do that to be pretentious, but they can't walk any other way because they've been trained so long to walk in a certain way on stage. I live in this state. I haven't missed a day of prayer and meditation, Chris, in 56 years. And I only share that because it's part of the integrity of how I live my life, because this work is all mind, body, spirit, because it is all mastery. And mastery is only achieved when one integrates mind, body, spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not just great biomechanics. And so I have to walk my talk. So. We, you alluded to the fact of how dangerous the time is we are living in at the moment. And we were chatting about that briefly before coming on. This is more dangerous than 1932. We still had a chance in 32 because Hitler didn't become chancellor till 33. But the demagogue, the criminal in our country, who was formerly our president, awakened the underbelly, not just in America, but around the globe. And, and it now with the internet, it's instantaneous. And so it's a very dangerous, insidious time. And so I'm sort of like the Johnny Appleseed, a folk character in America, who went around planting apple trees all over America. I'm planting seeds around the globe because no one can take our power from us, but they can usurp it if we allow them to. Yes. So I want to awaken us to our own abilities to stay in this breath, to stay in the quality of this resonance, this energy. And you feel what I've just done to the space where you are from thousands of miles away right now, just through the way I'm communicating. And it doesn't have to be big and bombastic. It can be intimate, tender, loving, but you feel what it does. So I want to help all of us on the planet access this and live in it. 
because all we are fancy pixels. This is all just vibration. It's all just energy. And we want to control the flow of our own energy. Well, on that note, we're going to go to a commercial break now. While I, I deeply think during that break, what am I going to ask you next? Well, um, I can go back and answer the question I didn't answer that you asked you me. Can, you, you, you can do. Whatever you want. Because I've never been out of, I think this is 337th interview, 537th interview on this show. Uh, and it's the first time I've ever been so conscious of the words that I say and how I express them. So I'm going to... But not <laughs> self-conscious, but no, not becoming self-conscious. more conscious of self. Yeah. Capital S. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. On that cool note, we're going to take a couple of minutes and we'll be back <laughs> with you again after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out SayItSkillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hello this is chris cooper and i'm with arthur joseph and we're talking about about vocal awareness and I'm going to getting some really helpful feedback from Arthur and has got me in deep, deep reflection. 
And what am I doing right now? <laughs> if you could see, if, if you could see what's going on right now, as Arthur helps me to to I guess access the best of my vocal awareness. You felt and heard the difference instantly, and your unconscious understood everything I was doing, and you just went with it. Thank you. But you heard more presence in the voice, more resonance in the voice. And in baseball, we have what are called third base coaches that stand next to the third baseline doing all these arcane body language things, which are signals to the batter and to the runner that only that the team knows. So I'm the third base coach conducting your unconscious. And you just did it so elegantly, so genuinely. Thank you. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, and, and Arthur, I'm, you know, what, what have these public figures and these people that you have so impacted over the years, what, what have they experienced in terms of the transformation in their, you know, in their communication? And I think, think of somebody like Arnold with his uh, Schwarzenegger with his very strong accent and you know, Sylvester Stallone with the way he the uniqueness that he spoke. How have you helped them to elevate the best of themselves? Same way I'm doing with you, Chris. The work is the work. It never changes. Mm. I remember I taught Arnold for eight or nine years from Conan through twins. And I remember driving over to his home for his first lesson. The thought occurred to me. It's interesting it didn't occur to me before, but I thought, what am I going to do with his accent? Mm. Well, his accent is his brand. So I don't want to mess with his accent at all because that would be ridiculous. But what we spent years doing was refining it, doing what we're doing here and doing certain exercises with two fingertips under the tongue. Uh what I just said was, when I speak, I need to be aware. But you hear the resonance in my voice immediately pop out because I relaxed my tongue. And and with Sylvester, he, was, he has a wonderful singing voice. And I taught his brother Frankie, who was a terrific singer as well. And when Sylvester and I first started singing, and Frankie walked in, he was less comfortable. But Sylvester being Sylvester, nothing's going to stop him. Several weeks later, when Frankie came in, he said, hey, Frankie, come on over. Let's see who can hold the notes longer. Sing the highest. Because now with, he felt more confident, but that impacts his speaking voice tremendously as well. So in, I, my studio used to look like a Jewish deli with all these celebrity and athletic, athlete pictures all over the walls. And, and Albert Finney used to be up there. And now they're all in notebooks in my studio. And on Albert's, he wrote, can I do that? And this is Albert Vinny, one of the great actors and voices of our time. And because I was the vocal director on the movie Annie, and so taught Albert for like three or four years. And, and so it's, it's one of the common themes in this work, because I am teaching empowerment through voice. And you asked me three hours ago, and I never gave, I never answered it. How did I get gain the credibility or something like that? What was yeah, the question? 
credibility, the mastery to be able to do this. The mastery. Vocal awareness. I began teaching at 18, but it wasn't yet vocal awareness. It became vocal awareness in my early 20s. And all my rituals came to me at one time. And I didn't necessarily understand them all, but they were there. They were just downloaded. And one of God's gifts to me is I'm, frankly, a profound listener. And so I listened very deeply within myself. And I studied voice science. I studied pedagogue. I really study. I'm not just some neurotic voice teacher or something. I really know craft. And everything has been word of mouth except for one free ad when we were on food stamps at 25 because I couldn't get my act together yet. Remember, we had one child at the time sitting in our first home. He was maybe three. And I'm sitting in front of the fireplace one night. I had just gotten fired from a straight job, and I was performing and doing nightclubs and benefits and things like that to pay, help pay the bills, but I just got fired from a regular job. And I observed this as God's way of saying, well, if you don't have enough courage to do this work full-time, I'll get you fired, and you have to figure it out. But I hadn't figured it out. I still had feet of clay. And so I'm sitting in the living room one night. My bride and son are in the back in the bedroom. And a thought came to me in this solitude in a moment that my bride was only intellectually supportive of me doing vocal awareness full-time, not emotionally. And as I was saying this, I immediately knew, of course, it was a lie. I was scapegoating her because she was there for me a thousand percent. I was not there for myself. And so the next day I put one ad, it was free, in the Cal State Northridge University newspaper, the Matador, offering one free introductory lesson. And I got one student who became like family to us for a generation. She became our babysitter, and I helped her career, and it was wonderful. And it begin, began to build and build. Everything from that point on was word of mouth. And I don't understand any of that stuff, but it's energetic and it's word of mouth. And I teach that the two greatest fears are abandonment and ownership. I'd like you in that context to write the seventh ritual down, please, Chris, and your listeners also, which is be myself. Yeah. And I presume you just wrote two words, be myself, correct? I did, but I'm going to ask you a question because I have six written down here, so I've missed one somewhere. So I have stature, source, um, five no, seconds. I haven't given you all of them at all. Oh, yeah, okay, ah, so they're in different order, okay. Yes, so I'd like you now to write the seventh ritual as, as it's actually intended. It's not two words, it's three words, be myself, and the S begins with, and the self is with a capital S. Okay. You'd write that again, please. Yeah, be my self. Do they mean the same thing when you look at them? No, I, I think I think what it does, it really by separating it, it really emphasizes is my. This is who exactly. I am. 
Yes. And it doesn't say present. No. And so in this work, Chris, because that be, that that in part is what gave me the life that I've been privileged to have all these decades. Another critically important element is called our persona statement. We live in a society where perception is reality. An opinion is instantaneous. If I, if, if I say, it's really nice speaking with you today, Chris, I'm really enjoying our time, versus it's really nice speaking with you today, Chris. I'm really enjoying my time. First one is bogus, but we don't know why. Yes. It didn't occur to you that it was too high and the, the pitch was too high and I spoke too fast. All you got, he was disingenuous. The second one, you didn't know that I breathed, I slowed down, my pitch went lower. All you got was I was more authentic. Mm. And so the persona statement is critically important, and it has four parts to it. The first question you answer is, how do I believe I'm presently perceived? Personal, professional, doesn't matter. Both. The yeah. second question you answer, and please note the change in the wording, how would I ideally like to be known? So we write, this becomes the aspirational self with a capital S. The other two parts are drawings. The first drawing reflects this is my how I'm perceived. The second, how I would like to be known. And it raises a really important understanding, Chris, that every single thing in life revolves only around two things, to choose to do something or to choose not to. Never matters how scary, how seemingly daunting. All that matters is how badly I want it. Even in abdication, I make a choice by walking away. But I'm teaching empowerment through voice. So I only care, does that choice empower me or disempower? Yes, empower you. However, you not only teach empowerment through voice, what you also do, because I've had a number of emails from you, is that you also are very careful and considered about the way you write those emails. Not careful. Conscientious. Conscientious, yeah. Because caution creates anxiety, conscientiousness creates awareness, and respectful and thoughtful. Yeah. Thank you, though, for acknowledging. I, I noticed. We, we both, and my, and my assistant, Hazel, noticed as well. Oh, isn't that lovely? Thank you. Yeah, what, a, what, a, what a nice man that Arthur Samuel Joseph is, she told me this morning. How sweet. Thank you. Uh, and she's never spoken to before. She's only received your emails, which for her, receiving emails from many people on my behalf, you're stood out. Well, thank you. That's a really nice acknowledgement. Because they were, but because they were kind and conscious. Same person shows up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I am not my behaviors. We think we reach adulthood and this is it. But you're just discovering for the first time that I get to choose now. Wow, how cool is that? Yes, yes. Well, I think I've become 
increasingly aware the last year or two that if I can be my best in each moment and I, I'm, and the best of whatever I have my if, win. Okay. When, when I can, it, it makes a difference. Do you understand the difference between if and win or if and as? Okay. Well, if, if. It gives you an option. You don't want that. It, it, no, it does. It's like, yeah, it, it, it's like I'll try. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is not very helpful at all. Of empowering at all. Hmm. So tell us, so your work, some people might be listening to this and thinking, I don't have a great voice. You know, some people do, don't they? Sean Connery, maybe that was your teaching of him, had an amazing... No, no, he, he, he had a serious, beautiful voice. He had a, be he had a beautiful voice. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of the, the other actor in the United States who does all... Um, Morgan Freeman. I, you know, I, I could just melt into his voice. It's just wonderful. But that, I guess, is him being the best of himself. We're all different, aren't we? So well, we, they, there are gifts. Those are gifts. Yes, Those they are. are vocal gifts. I had the privilege of teaching Charlton Heston many years ago. That's a vocal gift. He had a great voice, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. But please continue what you're saying or asking. Yes. Yeah, so what I'm as asking is, there is something in this for everybody. It doesn't matter what they start with. On my website, I have a retirement speech from a gentleman named Dwayne Wade, who was just elected this year as one of the top 75 basketball players in the history of the National Basketball Association and was just inducted on first ballot into the Naismith Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts in August. When Dwayne first came to me, he comes from the south side of Chicago. It's a fundamentally different language base. And with they don't necessarily speak standard American English. It's very different. It's colloquial. It's different. And as a big man and a basketball player, as a big athlete, oftentimes these men's voices are thick, they're heavy, they're covered. And oftentimes big men don't want to assert themselves because they're already larger than life and they don't want to intimidate others. So if one were to look at an interview with Dwayne online, ESPN or anything from a couple of years, from four years ago, let's say, and look at this retirement speech after four months of work with me, it's a fundamentally different human being. This, this transformation is extraordinary. One of my themes in this work, Chris, is that a champion does it differently. And that's not a sports-centric word. One of the interpretations of the word champion simply means dazzlingly skilled in any field. You're a champion. You don't have to be sitting here at four in the afternoon having this interview with me, but you've chosen this because you have a commitment beyond your own personal goals for yourself and your family. So you do this. That's a champion. People tuning into this 
they're making a choice about what how they want to spend that hour. And that's a championship mentality. And so Dwayne in this speech, I write all my speeches with my people. It was the first time he ever read teleprompter. First time he ever read prepared remarks. And we didn't even get a dress rehearsal on the parquet floor before he walked out in front of 18,000 people and millions online. Because he has a huge, huge global presence. And, and the entire speech is annotated in this visceral language technique. Now, we had been working it, of course, for several weeks. And before walking out, we just warmed up. Ah, doing one of our warm-ups. An artist, an athlete, doesn't just walk out. They've warmed up. They've stretched. They've done things. But as vocal users, we just talk. Because right. speech is habit. But we don't in vocal awareness. We, we create exercises so that you can access the voice you're capable of having. And Dwayne is an extraordinary example of somebody doing that. And one of my favorite human beings. You know, when, when you asked me to have stature, uh, the person I thought of was Charlton Heston. I came into my mind. I didn't know. I hadn't picked up Charlton Heston, not consciously, from your, your list. So that was really interesting. Also, if I may make one additional encouragement for, to your audience, I have a TEDx talk on my website as well. I'm not selling anything. I would like you to know about it because I like you to watch it. It's a metaphor. In all my years of teaching, I did this a few years ago, this TED talk, i probably only written two speeches, maybe three out in my entire career. This one I wrote because it was a very specific goal. I had a very circ circumscribed time frame I had to work within, and I needed to be exacting. So I wrote it out. And even the day of the event, I was practicing it 25 to 30 times. That's me. I wanted to drive a stake in my heart. I was so bored with myself. Hmm. Got to the venue couple of hours I have everyone with my bride by my side and my phone and recording, still practicing, because this is mastery. And for me, this was not a presentation. It was a recital. It was a performance. And a recital is impeccable. You will never see a classical musician make a mistake, ever. They may make it, but you will never see it. So I walked out, and if anybody watches it, you won't see any of that. All you'll see is Arthur being Arthur. And the closing thought to that is we've been told that a performance is inauthentic, that a presentation is more, more authentic. But if you look up the word present, it means to carry out, to introduce formally, to bring before the public. You look up the word perform, and it means to carry out, fulfill, to do. We've just misconstrued. So I want us to, it's always a performance because someone is watching or listening. Hmm. So we create our persona statement. We utilize these techniques. And we practice seven minutes a day. My last book, Vocal Leadership, seven minutes a day to communication mastery. I'm privileged that the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell, wrote the foreword for this book. 
<coughs> excuse me. And in seven minutes a day, you can actually do this. And if you can't find seven minutes, then there's a challenge. Yes. So. That's oh, great. Sure. I do. I do. A, I do a seven-minute workout in the morning, so I can also now make it fourteen minutes. How about yes. that? Yes. Cool. <laughs> Look, this has been absolutely fantastic. We've, we're close to the end of the interview now. And I wonder, you have a free webinar on the 12th of December and worthwhile looking at Arthur's website from vocalawareness.com. There's a, and it's free dash masterclass if you're interested. Um, but Arthur is offering this for you for free to experience this program. Um, I don't think you can get better than that. It's a 90-minute webinar, and it's introducing a program. One of the courses I have on my website is a, the Vocal Awareness Leadership Academy. I teach leadership globally. And we're going to create a mastermind group out of this webinar. For P and the foundation of it is the Leadership Academy. And so, yes, we will learn a lot. And it's very interactive. I will ask people to join me and do stuff, and it's all on video. So, and thank you for mentioning it. I appreciate that, Chris. And I well, so uh, appreciate our time today. My goodness gracious. It's just flown. And we've. I would also recommend, now you've listened to this, is to go and watch the TEDx, because actually what you do, you demonstrate that process through the TEDx um, the TEDx. Um, and wasn't it cool to watch the people it is, participate? It is, yeah, they were, weren't they? They they were enjoying themselves. They were really, really engaging with it. Um, so do you have, we've got one minute for a final message. Yes, thank you. I love always to end my seminars, my webinars with this thought. I was going to bed one night in 1980, and a thought came to me and made me get up and write it down wouldn't go away. And the only paper I had was a magazine called Quest Magazine I was reading, which is now framed in my studio wall today. It said, voice is the only artistic experience which is both finite and infinite at the same time. It is fallible and fragile, gone in an instant, unseen only felt. Remember from the past even a long moment ago, anticipated, sensing its future, even as its present is just occurring. It's temporal, visceral, organic. Such a complex, simple, and beguiling, transcendent state. And that's what came through about 10 o'clock one night. Amazing. Uh, Arthur, um, that's, that's so profound. I'm looking forward to the transcript of this. I'm going to have to leave us there because we've got to no. finish right now. Do check out vocalawareness.com and there's slash free hyphen masterclass if you wanted to join that. Well, next week is Thanksgiving in the United States. So yeah. uh, the, the show is all, they're all on holiday and uh, having their their festivities in in, um, in um, the US. Um, so we'll be repeating a show with Barnaby Winter next week um, on um, marketing. Barnaby is a wonderful, wonderful individual. I'm very proud he's part of my Elevation Collective community. Um, but I want for those celebrating Thanksgiving next week, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy, enjoy your time with your family. And for everybody else, enjoy life. And do think about your vocal awareness. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.